namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa Aparuta de Sangamatasatawaraye Sorawanta Bamunjantu Satang. So this afternoon, this is opportunity to reflect. to contemplate Dhamma, the reality of here and now. So I encourage you to relax, have a relaxed attention, even though relaxation and attention sound like opposites. They're not really. It's been conscious awareness here and now without stress without force. So it, it's a listening, the sense of open receptivity. It's peaceful and uncreated. Where ideas about effort and, and uh, paying attention as an order, as a command, can create all kinds of stress. Relaxation can be considered just taking it easy and not paying attention, total relaxation, just not caring. But relaxing and attentive relaxing, we begin to have this sense of being at ease with Dhamma here and now because ultimately Dhamma is here and now is not something you're going to get in the future or that you lack in the present. It's just remembering. It's like this. Many years ago, I gave a winter's retreat using the Paticca Samupada, the dependent origination teaching as a text for the, I think it was only two months then, but uh, it's a teaching that if, when I first came across it, before I really had developed any kind of meditation practice, didn't make any sense at all to a Western mindset and a Western way of thinking uh, one doesn't connect the, the concepts in the dependent origination uh, in the same way you do when you investigate Paticca Samupada, dependent origination. So also those of you who come from European, Western, cultural conditions, you know, coming across Buddhism, oftentimes it seems not to make any sense or you don't quite connect the meaning of the word, so it sounds very complicated. I remember that time thinking Paticca Samupada was very complicated, but it's ultimately very simple when you begin to understand how to use it. So it starts out with a, a vicha, vajaya sankara, and that's uh, that's the beginning when we chant it. We say a vicha vajaya sankara. What does that mean? A vicha vajaya sankara. So a vicha is not understanding dhamma, not knowing not realizing, not recognizing reality, ultimate reality. And so the 
sakyaditi, the ego, the sense of a separate self is, is a vicha. You know, so as long as we identify with the physical body and see ourselves as a personality, and whatever name you identify with, your Christian name, Buddhist name, European or Asian name, you know, this, this, uh, this applies to the form that we cling to. So that is a basic avicca, or avicca in Pali means ignorance, or not knowing reality itself, not knowing Dhamma. So that affects sankharas, which are phenomena, the phenomena, phenomena that we identify with. So what the phenomena we identify with is the body and the, and the mental states of memories, the appearance, the cultural conditioning, religious conditioning, all conditioning. If we, if we learn even Buddhism from the avicca level, you know, without investigating Dhamma, without understanding what those, what that actually is in reality, not just kind of philosophical concepts or, or metaphysical ideals, but it's beginning to awaken to the, this avicca affects conditioning, all conditioned phenomena, which are sankharas, which is the world that we live in, the world that we see, hear, smell, taste, touch, that we interpret always from avicca, from me and mine. Whether we like it, don't like it, agree with it, don't agree with it, whether we have prejudices or biases, cultural views, you know, that are cult, that are clung to, and we tend to approach life always from seeing everything through avicca. Bhajaya sankhara, sankhara bhajaya vijnana. So that, the, the reality of consciousness is affected by avicca. So what we see, hear, smell, taste, touch, think through the, through the body and through the senses is always interpreted with avicca or the personal view. So that's why we think the world is, uh, my world view is the right view or or about me as a separate person with feelings of loneliness or neglect or ambition, trying to become the emperor of the world or a famous celebrity or just settling down to just ordinary uh, life as we live it in, in modern society as a person, as a separate entity. And so that is consciousness then operates just through the senses. We see everything as separate. So vicha bhajaya sangha sangha bhajaya vinyana vinyana bhajaya nama rupa. That in consciousness, which is unitive, is then divided into form and space. So then, Namarupa, name and form, which becomes more complicated as the ayatanas or the six senses are affected by that divisive thinking process. I am my name, I am my form, I am, you know, I identify with with these these uh, ways of expression. I am a condition, I am a person, I am an individual. So this is in monastic life, we notice how we use avicca to interpret our experiences, monks or nuns. 
we can just live uh, completely within the Vinaya discipline and sitting practices of meditation, bhavana, and never break through the basic delusion of avicca. So monastic forms just become more attachments, identities that we like or don't like, agree with or don't agree with, appreciate or despise. So notice how complicated it gets. Avicca complicates everything. Ignorance of Dhamma makes life incredibly complicated as it, you know, goes from the basic avicca to sankara to consciousness to the division of Nama Rupa and the Salayatanas, the six senses. Now it's, you know, six senses operating from avicca. And this creates desire and clinging. So we we start, you know, we cling to we we. Most people never question the rea- the the experience of life in any way. They they operate from avijja, and that's why the world that we hear about that we through the news through the media is always so confused. You know, some of the terrible things going on now just in the Middle East and the COVID pandemic and so forth, endless wars, conflicts, disagreements, divorces, quarrels, and political problems that, uh, that are common in every country, every place, because it's based, all these, these conditions come from Avicca from biases, from prejudices, from personal preferences. So how can we find world peace or permanent happiness through this complexity of change? You know, that's a question I've often asked myself before I became a monk, was how, how can, you know, the world seems so confused. And the world that I created which I thought was the real world, was very confused. So I remember referring to my my student days in Berkeley when I joined peace movements. I joined two peace movements to bring peace to the world. I thought the United Nations, after the Second World War, when they established the UN, that you could solve all the problems of wars and and that through just reason and logic, that, that that's all I trusted in at the time. Everybody agreed, get along, learn to cooperate as a world, as a world organization. But you hear stories about the UN always in conflict with internal, internally, because different countries, different nationalities, different worldviews still operate from Mavicha, produce endless misunderstandings, fears, anxiety, prejudices. So when desire arises, then we tend to grasp it, which is upadana, the Pali word for grasping or clinging, because that's all we know how to do operating from avijja is clinging to, to our perceptions, to our conditioning. So that's why it's sometimes very difficult to understand each other even though we might speak the same language, because we can't figure out why you think the way you do or act the way you do when, when it isn't reasonable according to my views, my worldviews that come from Avicca, contrary to your worldviews that come from Avicca. So how can, there, how can we help to have endless conflicts 
in terms of the sankharas, they come from avijja. So clinging creates rebirth, clinging to desire. You become what you cling to. So it's a sense of becoming. Rebirth, it can be seen as rebirth, which leads to old age, sickness, death, grief, sorrow, despair, and anguish. So that's the world that we create out of avicca, ignorance of Dhamma. Dhamma is the deathless ultimate reality. So we don't know that, you know, we, uh, all our thoughts, all our memories, all our experience in life is based on ignorance of Dhamma. So when I chanted in the, before I started this reflection, de the gate to the deathless, the door to the deathless is open. You know, that's a rather, it's nice sentiment in its own way, but what does it mean? What is the deathless? What is the metaphor of gates or the door? What does that mean? Is there a door? Are there gates? You know, in reality, is you're looking for, for a door or a gate or an entrance to the deathless through the senses which operate from avicca, which separate and divide and assess whether the you know, they're good, bad, right, or wrong. And so that's the whole rebirth process. We're reborn constantly according to what we're clinging to. We think we're kind of permanent personality from day one to the end of our lives. The same person uh, because the body, you know, even though it it grows up, gets old, gets sick, and eventually dies, is what we we are we are obsessed with, blinded by, operate from these perceptions, cultural conditioning, very strong. So suffering is the result of this ignorance. So if there's a vicha, there's going to be suffering. If there's this blind clinging to conditioned phenomena as oneself, separate self, how can there not be suffering? Even moments of happiness change. You know, when we have peak moments in life where everything is the way we want it and and uh, we feel happy and fulfilled, it's going to change because old age starts making its presence very obvious and sickness, COVID pandemic, loss of loved ones, wars and destruction that we hear about or we experience through our forms. You know, then even at the very peak moments of, of Sankara experience is still this fear in that it's going to, it's not going to stay there. Remember, the peak is the top of some, of a condition. And when it reaches its peak, then it changes to the opposite. So just through this kind of reflection, this especially uh, investigate clinging to sankharas, ubhadana, this sense of identity, whether you call it clinging or attachment or identity to sankharas. What does that really mean? Because it's not taught in the Western mindset, Western culture, even Western religion, clinging to sankharas, what does it mean? 
desire is, you know, we can see it in terms of of sexual desire or, you know, but in, in, in when we say somebody has a lot of desires, it means they're very greedy for something, sensual objects, sensual experiences. In the limitations of the English language, but in the Pali Dhanha, which is the desire in Pali, includes wanting to become something, wanting to, to get enlightened, wanting to get rid of defilements, wanting to get rid of fear and anger and greed, wanting to become some kind of ideal that you imagine, wanting to become you know, like the enlightenment is perfection, or the arahant is the ultimate sign of perfection <clears throat> in terms of how we interpret, in the way that we interpret those terms. But sankharas cannot, you know, they're, they're not per perfect because they're always flawed, they're always changing. Dhamma is perfect because it is changeless and the gates to the deathless are open. So it's, this is a pronouncement made by the Buddha after enlightenment. Now these are questions to ask yourself, not to just seek answers to your questions through other teachers or religious texts or philosophers or psychology, but to trust yourself to, to investigate what is, what is desire like? Can you observe desire when you, you have sensual desires, when you have desires, ambitions to become, and you have desires to get rid of your defilements? You de we all desire on a personal level to get rid of fear self-consciousness, you know, this sense of separate identity makes you, makes you separate from everything. You don't, you, you don't have the re reality of uni union and perfection of Dhamma because every identity, everything that you believe and hold to, that you love and hate, is a sankara. So the first two noble truths, the suffering and its causes, is this anuloma practice where you investigate avijja bhajaya sankhara, sankhara bhajaya vinyana vinyana bhajaya nama rupa nama rupa bhajaya salayatana and onward. Pasa and then vedana, then upadana, So it's all written out in this particular teaching, which I found very helpful in just as an exercise in investigating what, is, what do these terms mean? And in those days when I was looking for how to figure out Paticca Samupada, there was nothing really available in English. You know, so you had various views and opinions about it that uh, I remember uh, in uh, Word of the Buddha, Nyanati Loka's book that I value a lot, I gave up trying to figure it out from his way of reflecting. It's about rebirth. And so then rebirth tends to be about previous lives reincarnation or whatever, you know, in previous life I was such and such and I was born in this life and the next life to be reborn and again and, and uh, so I can realize Dhamma and become a, a Buddha in the next life. So is it just a kind of 
philosophy kind of theory, a philosophic, uh, philosophical theory. Even on that level, it's quite good, but it's much more than that. It's, much, it's not to, meant, to be a th theoretical teaching based on the intellect, but it's for this investigation. The other side, the, the third and fourth noble truth, Nuroda and the path, are the Bhatiloma side where everything ceases. The ignorance ceases, avicca ceases, ignorance is gone. Therefore, all these these attachments, identities, uh, beliefs, fears, hopes, desires, good, bad, right or wrong, collapse. That's the roda, where suddenly everything, the whole world that we believed in, that we created through avicca, it's gone. It doesn't mean it disappears, you know, that we all kind of vanish from sight. But the belief, the blind belief, the attachments we form out of conditioning, that's gone. So that is peace, nibbana, freedom. You know, the big fear about anatta is if, if there's no self, then there's nothing. And so, you know, Buddhism can be sound very nihilistic if it's, if it's just uh, interpreted intellectually. But notice that there's always this bariyati, bati bati, uh, and but he wait sequence. It's a reflective teaching. So Bariyati Dhamma is the scriptures. So you, that's where we start from. Those are the you know, the four noble truths of Paticca Samuppada dependent origination. That's Bariyati Dhamma. Bati Bati Dhamma is practicing with it. So you know it's pointing. The Bariyati Dhamma is a pointers, they're not doctrines. They're not imperatives to believe in them. Because the Bhati 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 or Pawana practice, you know, if, if the sign's pointing in, the, in, in a direction, the arrow's pointing that way, you look that way, you don't look at the sign, you don't just grasp the sign. You know, signs pointing to London when you're driving a car, you know, you got a New Hemel Hempstead, you see the word London written on a sign. That's what we cling to if we're ignorant. You know, in terms of Dhamma, we, we grasp the the Bariyati teachings only, so we never, we never reach Nibbana, never realize Dhamma. You'll never get to London if you just satisfy yourself with a sign, and the, the sign doesn't seem, you know, after a while it's pretty boring. How long can you look at a sign pointing to the, the M1 saying London? It's ridiculous, isn't it? Or like a cookbook you read but you never prepare the food you can you know you go hungry so so much of you know that Lumpur Cha used to point to in Thai Buddhism was the fact that there's so much Bariyati Dhamma emphasize the scriptures the Pali language and and the chanting and ceremonies. It's like clinging to the sign pointing to London. So, of course, if you just read a cookbook and you might memorize all the recipes, 
And that's impressive. But it doesn't feed you, doesn't nourish you till you prepare the food. And that's bhati-bhata. And the result is, once you prepare the food and eat it, then that satisfies the suffering, that gets rid of the suffering, the hunger. And as you practice the Dhamma, looking in the right direction, going in the right direction, which is here and now. So it's not like some place off like London is far away. When we think of our places here and now, then where is London? It's how many miles away? It's not about going anywhere, but recognizing that these forms, this human form, this body, these thoughts, these memories, these are all conditions created out of a vicha, identity with them. You know, ask yourself, are you really just a human body? Is that all you're meant to be in life? Is you born to, to grow up, get old and die? Eat food? You know, looking at the squirrels in my, that run outside in the garden on my kuti, you know. They spend the whole days looking for food and mating. Is that all, you know, maybe that's all we're meant to be doing. Procreating the species and surviving. You have to eat food to survive. The, the body needs nourishment. So most of us that come to Amavati have this feeling there's something much more to it than, than just being born to grow up, get old, and drop dead at the age of a hundred if you're lucky, or if you're unlucky, it depends on how you feel. So, like the Buddha pointed to ultimate reality, not to some ideal, physical realm, utopian state. Even the deva realms, which are very desirable realms, when you read about all the different levels of devas and brahmas, and you know, that's creating images of perfection, of beauty, of, of lasting beauty, of happiness and bliss forever. You know, these are, but all these deva realms, brahma realms, are in consciousness. What's the consciousness of a devada or a human being or a gorilla? Is it different? Is a gorilla's consciousness coarse and the consciousness of Baranimat Dawasawati Deva very refined? You know, is, is, does consciousness have refinement or coarseness? You know, in terms of appearance, there's a course like the animal world, the preta realm, the hungry ghosts, the hellish realms, they're all in the course level of sankharas. So they, they're the really, when we talk about avicca hell, avicca hell, avicca hell, it's, it, it's the most horrible hell you can possibly think or imagine in any individual's mind. Burning for eternity in fire and still being alive, you never, for eternity, that's forever, in terms of how we interpret burning in hell fires for eternity. Is anything more undesirable or more scary than that image? You know, but that is images we create with our thoughts, our minds, 
That's not reality, that's not Dhamma. That's Sankara created through Avicca. And then the Deva realms, the Brahma realms, perfect beauty lasting forever, permanent happiness forevermore, endless time, eternity, time that that goes on forever and ever, is an image we create in our mind. You know, it's a belief that, that time is, that there's eternal time. But time is in sankara. Times are all about sankaras. But here and now, Pachubana Dhamma, is where eternity is, every moment, every breath, here and now, because it is eternal. It's unchangeable, immutable. Whether it's in a gorilla or one of us or a Brahma god, whatever, how refined or how coarse the conditions might be, consciousness doesn't have any quality about refinement or coarse. It's perfect. Coarseness and refinement are about conditioned phenomena. So just to put the, in the context in, in the Buddhist teaching, pointing to the way things are, all conditions are impermanent. And that's from the highest Brahma God to the most miserable of Ichihau. A human being is in the middle of all that, between the Brahma realms and the Avicii hell. Because we can understand Avicii hell, can't we? We can, we've had moments where we feel we're, we're going to be miserable, untotally miserable forever. That life is pointless and, and I'm a hopeless case and there's nothing to do but kill myself and the desire to, to annihilate yourself is a hell realm we create just by thinking in the very negative terms, hopelessness, fear. All we're born for, meaning of our lives, just to grow up, get old and die, to look for food, survive and procreate the species. That's rather cynical uh, attitude towards humanity. But there's this other possibility that the Buddha pointed to, awakened conscious, awakened to the reality of the here and now. And just by examining, investigating time, because, you know, we go by clocks, calendars, schedules, all about time. Seniority, age, time is, is, the, is the reality of the worldly dhammas. The dhamma, the worldly dhammas arise and cease. They're like waves or ripples on the ocean. They come from consciousness and they cease in consciousness. It's like waves, no matter how big or small they might appear. They always, it's just water. So all the sankharas, the ayatanas, all the, the whole world that we believe is our reality is about old age, sickness, death, change, incessant, inexorable change in us that is the very nature of sankharas. It's about time, space, 
space is a very another important reflection because it's here and now and you can actually observe it with you just by looking we call it space we say the temple is spacious we might have a a little cubicle for a room we think it, there's no space you know so we we judge space by the forms in it the size of the forms the temple the size of the the cell in the prison uh, these are how we we observe and re relate to space but space has no limit it's immeasurable And it's here and now, wherever you are, whatever posture, sitting, standing, walking, lying down, space is always here and now, and it's always visible. And it has no dimensions, it has no, no quality or character other than spaciousness. And then consciousness is here and now. But you can't see it. You can't, you can't objectify it. Like space, you can just notice it by looking, seeing with your eyes. Consciousness, try to find consciousness as an object. You can't do it, it's impossible, it's not objective. But you know you're conscious. And this knowing, you know, then we tend to identify consciousness with the, with the uh, body. So everybody believes that the consciousness is inside the body, including many scientists and psychologists. Consciousness is a mystery. Where is it? Does consciousness depend on the eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body? You know, does consciousness arise through through eyes, through ears, through hearing, through smelling, tasting, touching, thinking, feeling? Or does seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, thinking, feeling arise in consciousness? You know, these are questions to ask yourself. They're in investigatory questions. They're not answers to consciousness. But to investigate reality here and now, it is conscious investigation, observing, witnessing, paying attention to the way things are. So consciousness is here and now, Space is here and now. Avicca, as long as we operate from Avicca, then here and now doesn't have any, you can't, you know, define it. Because the thinking process, all about the past and the future. You can't define here and now as a, some, a quality, uh, you know, as something good or bad. It's like this. It's, you know, you begin to awaken to the reality of conscious awareness. And now, without how, you know, we're not trying to find it as an object, but to realize it. It's like this. Not something 
to find in the future or to investigate through the intellect, but to trust. So this is the gate or the door to the deathless. Yesodavantabamunjantusatang is the other half of that quote. Trust in this, awareness, mindfulness, conscious awareness. To be the witness, to be not somebody being a witness. You know, I think of myself, I'm the witness of Sankara's. There's witnessing, which is noticing the way things are, knowing that all sankharas are impermanent. Knowing sankharas, that's an exotic word for most people, Pali word, phenomena or conditions, the born, the created, the form, the condition. So when we attach to conditions out of ignorance, the result, the cause of attachment to ignorance, the result of that is grief, sorrow, despair, and anguish, old age, sickness, and death. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty miserable, you know. That's the, the depressing side of life. When we, when we see the world only in terms of the conditions, conditioning we've received, the ego or the cultural conditioning, then you have no choice in choosing. When you're born, you, you know, a newborn baby takes in what's ever available. But this awakening or enlightenment is seeing the way things are. Knowing. There's knowing, but there's no knower. So you might describe consciousness as knowing, but it's no knower or nothing known. It's knowing like this is an interesting reflection. So the space, earth, fire, water, and air couldn't exist without consciousness. If there was no consciousness, there'd be no space. So space is in consciousness. Space allows form to manifest. Without space, there's, how could we possibly form, manifest in these human bodies if there was no space for them to manifest in? So the, getting to the source is the conscious reality of here and now. As simple as that is, that's why ultimately Paticca Samupada is very simple. Very basic, it's not complicated like it sounds in the beginning when you start, when, you first, when most of us first started uh, reading about the teaching the translations of Paticca Samuppada in English. Nowadays, when I started, there was nothing, as I said before, in English except a translation of one of Jaukun Buddha Dasa's teachings of Paticca Samuppada. And the translation wasn't very good, but it was all that was available in English. But even that was beneficial. You know, I had tremendous insight just through, through investigating 
Buddhadasa's English translation. But now you've got Somdet Piyuto, Prop Piyuto, who's a, yes, a living sage in Thailand, who's and translated, Paticca Samupada has been translated uh, in his book Buddhadam into English, which is very good, very useful, practical. So I recommend that. Piyuto's English translation, or if you're Thai, you can read Thai, you can read the original in, in uh, Tan Piyuto's Buddha Dhamma. But these teachings, like the emphasis on Four Noble Truths, Paticca Samuppada, you know, it's not to cling to them as kind of doctrines. They're not doctrines. You know, they're directional signs. And the direction for all of us is here and now. And we're all experiencing here and now. Experience is now. It's like this. Whatever state of mind you're in, whether you're healthy or sick, whether you're happy or miserable, So when you take happiness and misery as personal, then it becomes avicca, bhajaya sankhara. So the world that we create is a miserable one if we're unhappy. It's a wonderful one if we're happy. But these are very unstable. It's not, there's not the deathless. It's all, you know, even happy, Happiness, worldly happiness ends up in death. So I offer this as a reflection for this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs>